Welcome to Breitbart News Daily. Thanks so much for being here. Very excited for the debate tonight between Newsom and DeSantis. We did a little more previewing today, but uh, of course we'll we'll uh, give you all the highlights of it tomorrow. We spent an entire hour, and I wish we could put the whole hour here. you got to subscribe to SiriusXM uh, to hear the whole hour. But we're talking about the American dream, and what is it? And, and the challenge to try to define it as something more than in a materialistic way. So that's what we talked about here. Uh, and then in the next segment, we'll play our interview with Mark Paoletta, who's super high power, like, like big time, big, big time lawyer in, uh, in D.C. And tells the story of how the Republicans today are finally, finally fighting fire with fire in a wonderful way. So we'll talk with him coming up in a little bit as well. But first, how do you define the American dream? I want to talk about this. Uh, this came up yesterday, but we got to pay it off here. The Wall Street Journal did a poll on the American dream. What is the American dream? And does it still exist? Now, before we talk about whether it exists or not, I think we got to talk about what it is. What is it? How do you define it? One eight six six nine five patriot I think we were told for a long time, my childhood, I was told the American dream was owning a home. If you own a house, you're living the American dream. And I don't I don't think that's that's it. I don't think that's right. I don't think that should be the American dream. I mean, look, first from a policy policy perspective, I mean, look what it led to, right? It led to the housing crash in 2007. It's like, oh, everyone needs to own a home, right? So it's just bad policy. But I also think that that's bad principle. I think it's bad. It's bad. It's bad. I don't think that's it. You're missing the mark. We're missing the mark. We can do better than that. We can do better than the American dream is owning a home. It's good. It's a good thing, surely. But it's not, that, can't, that can't be the American dream because that's also a thing you can do in other countries too. That, that's got to be another aspect, I think, of the American dream is it's something more unique to this country than any other country. Otherwise, it could be the Canadian dream too. And I don't want, I don't want our dream to be the same as Canada's dream. <laughs> I have my own dream. So it's, that, and that makes it trickier. That makes it trickier to nail down the American dream, surely. But it's got to be something special. So then we were told... If you want to broaden it out, maybe it's, it's the American dream is anything that leads to a more comfortable life, a more prosperous and comfortable life. I don't love that. That can't be it. Comfortable. That's it. Comfortable. That's our value. That's our virtue. Comfort. Oh, are you, are you? So that means if you're uncomfortable, you're not living the American dream. I don't know. That's. It can't be right. It can't, it can't be that. I'll never forget, and I'll, I'll stop talking about this. This is just such a bizarre, surreal thing. And I, as, as I, I say this would be the last time I talk about it, but I feel like I've talked about this a lot. But we interviewed Ben Stein a couple weeks ago, and he just talked about how great life is and, and how wonderful life is. And I said, oh, well, can you be too prosperous? And he got mad at me. He, like, like I was like, oh, geez, I offended Ben Stein. He said, no, 
He got really, like, really like pointed. It's like, no, you can't. What are you, what are you talking about? And I was like, oh, I, I was like, I guess I, maybe prosperity can make you weak. And he's like, no, no. Why do you think that? He's like, kind of like, and I was like, oh, I, I just feel like, you know, it's hard to raise kids. If, you know, if you, make, you can make them weak and if you give them everything they want. He's like, well, my son did commit suicide last month. It's like, oh, I had no idea. I did not know what it, and it turns out he wrote an article about it. And he said uh, that my son was at the end of a nonstop fountain of money from his mom and me. So at the end, Ben Stein's like, yeah, congratulations. You, you proved your guest wrong. It is possible to be too prosperous. Uh, you are right. I was like, oh, man, I'm really, I know. Sorry. So this man's life was comfortable. Too comfortable. That's the American dream? Comfort? No. This is, this is a thing I think about all the time. Is you, you try to work hard to give your kids a nice life but you can give them too nice of a life. Surely. You can give them a life that's too comfortable, too easy, too many toys. I, I think we're almost at a point. I don't know. Like I'm like, we're definitely at a point. Like, I don't know if, if the American dream is defined materialistically, I don't know what my kids can do. I don't, I don't, I don't know how my kids can, if the American dream is, Material comfort. What more am I going to provide for my kids? What more can I set my kids? What, three cars? They need, my kids need three cars when they grow up? Uh, instead of a Honda Odyssey with a sunroof and sliding doors and leather seats, they need an Escalade when they grow up? Like, that's the American dream? If I can provide my kids a better life than I had and they can have an Escalade? <laughs> like, that's it? Congratulations, son. You've lived the American dream? That, that's not, it can't be it. I, I don't I just don't want this is my call is that we define the American dream as more than something material. So the Wall Street Journal asked this question. They said, "Do you believe the American dream still holds true?" And I don't know what I'd say because I don't I don't know what it is. So they do, I don't know what they're referring to exactly, right? But they do define it. They say the American dream that if you work hard you'll get ahead. Do you believe that that holds true? That if you work hard, you'll get ahead. Now we can break down the, those terms even because like what does work hard mean? Because it's true that you could work hard and not get ahead necessarily, right? You can, like what does hard work mean? There's a lot, there's a lot more to getting ahead than hard work. Right? So, but I, I, we can say that for another. The point is work hard, things get materialistically better for you. Does that hold true? 36% of Americans said it does. 36% of Americans said the American dream still holds true. 18% said it never held true. And 45% said it once held true, but doesn't anymore. So 63% of Americans say, no, there is no American dream. 63% of Americans say, no, there's no American dream. Now, I don't know how many people asked this question really deeply thought about this, like we're talking about it now. I think most people probably just answered it, which kind of proves my point, actually. I think most people just answered this as, uh, how's the economy doing? I think most people answered it as, and uh, bad. 
Okay, so oh, no more American dream. And I think that's the problem. I think most people answer that as, I can't afford a house. Because we've been told, especially young people, that that's the American dream, owning a house. And interest rates are too high, so I can't own a house, so boom, there's no American dream. And it's like, ah, that can't be it. That can't be the American dream. It's good, but that's, I, I refuse to let that be the dream. And to make my point earlier, a, a record low, 19% of respondents said they, they were confident that their children's generation would be better off than their own. Only 19 is a record low. And I, I like, I'm, I, if you're basing it economically, like I'm kind of like that too. I don't know. And are my kid, what are my kids going to have a 95 inch television? Like, I don't, I don't know what more they even want. And I don't know. Is that even good? I remember growing up, the nicest thing we owned was a uh, waffle iron. We had a great, I'm not, we didn't grow up poor, but we had an awesome waffle iron. I just distinctly remember this really, really nice waffle iron that I looked forward to using every Saturday. It was a great waffle iron, hearty, well-made, surely made in America. And uh, we bought, we have an even nicer waffle iron. It's even nicer. It's bigger. You can make four waffles at once. Also hearty, well-made, heavy. It's great. You got a great waffle iron. What are my kids going to have? An even nicer waffle iron? Like, I don't even, I don't even know what that means. Like, they can't, the American dream can't be material. It has to be more. All right, 866-95-PATREON. And we need, I think we need to call America better. That's my point. We need to call America to, to, to a higher goal. Something bigger to dream for than merely a house. You should work for a house. House is good. Although I'm, my best friend is visiting this weekend. He, uh, he doesn't have a house. I'd say he's, I think he would say he's living in America. Jimmy doesn't have a house. Right? So that, that, that can't be it. All right. Uh, let's go to Frank, who's in Idaho this morning. I like to go more West Coast to East Coast because I'm grateful that uh, Frank is calling so early in the morning. How you doing, Frank? I'm good, but I'm actually in Indiana. Oh, never mind. Back on hold. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. No, we'll take it. We'll take you still. You, you, you snuck through. I'm just joking. How are you doing, Frank? I did. I'm well. Thank you for having me. But uh, my father was an immigrant to the United States, and so I have that unique privilege of being a first-generation American. And we were taught that the American dream was that you weren't pigeonholed into being what your father was. Mm. You know, I didn't have to follow in my father's footsteps. That the only thing that would limit me was my desire to improve myself and my ability to get an education. And we could do whatever we wanted in America. Um, his father was a barber. And had they stayed in Greece, my father would have been a barber. But he chose to go into computers. Yeah, so different profession. There also may be something of even like a different, different what? Different class structure? Different... Well, clearly a different class structure. Greece at the time was a monarch. So, you know, he, his whole point was is that the only limitation is the limitation we place on ourselves because in America the government doesn't place that limitation on us. It doesn't force us to only be a product of the environment in which we were raised. We could, we could change that. Yeah. All we had to do was make up our minds that we would make the change. Uh, is your dad grateful to be in America? He was very grateful to be in America. That's why I don't speak Greek. He raised us all, all eight of his children, uh, speaking English. He did name you the classic 
Greek name Frank, however? Uh, well, that's Fulti in Greek. Uh, my brothers and sisters received, received more biblical names. Um, so it was, uh, you know, I kind of the, the one that didn't quite get the classic Greek name. <laughs> Alas. Uh, Frank, thank you, sir. I appreciate it. Uh, thanks for sharing your story. Uh, I like that very much. Still, still implies, I don't, I don't want to cheapen what Frank said to materialism, but it's still in that economic world right uh, about professions and limitations so it's limit you're not limited i love the idea you're not limited but limited to what uh you're not limited economically you're not limited income you're not limiting like you're still talking class structure and money there's still like a money connotation to that uh which is better than owning a house no question but i wonder if we can even get further away from money with it that makes sense uh, let's go to Bob, who's in Texas. Hey, Bob, how are you? Oh, I'm doing wonderful. Uh, how are you? Really good. Thanks for talking about this with us. Yeah, no problem. You know, I've been all over the world. I'm a former military, and, and the American dream is different depending on where you are. The American dream for most people outside America is to be an American, okay? It's not a thing not something you can hold in your hand it's an idea it's, it's coming to america we're blessed to be born here uh, and, and the american dream for somebody that's in this country is a thing it's something you can hold in your hand it's it's an entitlement type thing it it it, it kind of drives me nuts to think about it but i heard this i heard this basketball player talk about it and it, it was it was really really interesting the way he talked about it he said his grandfather said that uh, that he um, he walked to work ten miles every day. Then his son got a car, a little Ford, and then his son's son got a Cadillac. But his son's son was driving a Porsche. But that son would be driving a Rolls Royce. But that son would be walking again. And he asked him. He said, "Why is that?" He said, "Well." Hard times create easy times. Easy times create weak men. Weak times or, or easy times continue to create weak men, then hard and, and hard times start to show up again. Yep. But those hard times will start to create really, really strong men again. And and that's that's kind of where we are in our in our, in our evolution of our of America is, is we're starting to, we're in those easy times where where men are starting to have to have to have to look back at, at yes. what, what's happened in the past. There's there's no question about that, Bob. I love I love that expression. Thank you, sir, for the call. Yeah. So we we are in the we're exiting the good times create weak men phase, and I think we're entering the weak men create hard times phase. We're somewhere there. Uh, which is why I'm very grateful to. I love raising kids in this phase, uh, in the hard. Well, we're we're not in the fully hard times phase yet, right? But that'll be. That's a good time to live, because that is a time to create strong men. If the cycle continues, it could just you could just could just all be over, right? Like that. Like the problem with this quote is that implies a cycle, and there's no guarantee to a cycle. You can ask all the ancient civilizations that no longer exist. 
how that cycle is going. Right? The cycle, it could just end, and that's bad too. Um, but yes, but here's, what, here's what's tricky about this. Again, on the conversation uh, of the American dream. Uh, good times. What is good times? So strong men create good times. What do we mean by good times? Oh, we mean big houses and uh, Porsches and uh, nice waffle irons and, and bigger TV. Like it's, it's still like good times, I think, unfortunately, still has an economic perspective in our world. And I don't, we have to do more than that because that's, look what it gets you. It gets you weak men. So this isn't good. So our American dream is something that creates weak men. Our American dream is good times. Good economic times. Okay, well, how, how's that go? What's that? What happens when you can do that? Oh, uh, everyone becomes pathetically weak and, and depressed and suicidal and angry. <laughs> okay, well, maybe that's not a great dream then. We need to define this better. Let's go to Joseph, who is in Connecticut. What's going on, Joseph? Yes, uh, good morning, Michael. Yes, the Greek word for soul is psyche. Uh, to dream can only be done by the soul. No material thing can dream. In quantum mechanics, as I teach chemistry, if you put matter with energy, they annihilate themselves in a sense. So if we uh, identify just with material things, the soul will be hurt and damaged. The first, I came here uh, in the 1950s. I was born in Italy. I came here as a young child. I was naturalized and went in front of a judge in 1960. I was 10 years old. And uh, the dream is about possibilities. My father was a cabinet maker. My mother was a dressmaker in the Bronx. There were factories there. So the dream is to have possibilities, but the dream can only be done by the human soul. So that's part of the person, uh, of the, person the soul, the psyche, the consciousness. And the First Amendment of this great con- country, the First Amendment, the first freedom is two clauses, that the government, Congress will not establish nor prevent the free exercise of religion. Religion is a practice to reconnect to this uh, God, the Creator, through our soul, and that's the, the, the that's the essence of happiness. It's not the material world because many people who have live in mansions can only live in one little room at a time, yep. and they also w- will be depressed because the material things will not uh, give you happiness. Will we'll never. You can you can ac- accomplish by creative energies to make these things but they are not you you cannot identify with these things you cannot possess them the soul does not want to possess the material it wants to create it wants to move the material things to to energize them to uh to uh, to see the beauty of the creation of god so the soul is the essence of dreaming dreaming cannot be done by a material thing that's it i'm so glad you said the word soul um, yeah, material things possess you. That's a that's a, how about that for a change of mindset? You don't possess material things; they possess you. So, I love this answer. I think the problem, the reason I, I'm having trouble fully understanding it, and maybe why most Americans do. I, I think most Americans do. I don't mean to be rude. Is we don't know. I don't know what it's like to live in a country where your soul isn't free. So, so it's like I'm like a fish in water, you know, trying to describe. You know, I I don't. What is it like in a different country where you're not, your soul isn't free to dream? Because the possibilities are limited. That you're you're enslaved. You're controlled by, by the government. You're told what to do, and therefore uh, that that uh, abrogates, that that uh, weakens, that uh, contains the the soul for the uh, for okay. limitless possibilities. All right, that's right. So, and, and it's funny because my brother lives in England now, and he talked. He told me once about how the fact that you can. 
the people of England can never be the king or queen, no matter what. Like, there's a chance that you and America, my, 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 my kids could be president. There's a chance. Uh, but you can never be the king or queen of England. It's never going to happen. Uh, and, like, that, ch- that changes. Like, you're a subject. You're not a citizen. You're a subject. It's different. Uh, but here, okay, here's the question then, Joseph. You're free to dream. Super. What are you dreaming for? Or what should people be dreaming for? Well, well, well the essence of the soul, the dreaming, is, is based on the, the creator, which is all, all loving and all good. And therefore, if you don't connect to that, it's, uh, then your dreams are themselves the beauty of, of happiness. The dreams themselves. The, so that there, are, there is potentiality. There's uh, any possibility that you, you want. But, but that's where we exist anyway. We exist in our consciousness. And the appreciation of anything in the created world and the universe is through the soul, through the consciousness. That, and we call it soul. Some people don't like that term because they connect it. But the soul is what we are. The soul is our thinking, our consciousness, our real essence. Yep. It's not Just, the body. I mean, we are, God forbid we lose a hand, we still don't lose the soul. Mm-hmm. We, we lose a foot, we still don't lose our soul. The soul is the, the essence. The, the material part that holds the soul to, connected to the material world is the brain, which is also material. But that creates the mind, and the soul is the motivator of that, initiates that. It's the initiator. Of, of that, the connection between that, uh, the consciousness and understanding the material world, the created world. That's it. Joseph, and, I appreciate it. Well done, brother. Uh, yeah, what's the line that we are not, we're not a body with a soul, we're a soul with a body. And uh, what is it? There's a better line. It's we're not, uh, I'll look it up during the break. We're not a body going through a spiritual journey. We're, we're, a, we're a soul going through a bodily journey or something like that. I'll look it up and do better during the break. Um, okay, but are you with me? I think everyone's on like the same page, like where I, I think we need to go with the American dream and how we need to be thinking. I'll take more calls here. I gotta take a break though. But it, it's gotta be more than stuff. It's gotta be. I, 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 I don't, I don't want, ah, that's too dramatic of a statement. I was gonna say something like, I don't want to live in, of course I wanna live in this country. I don't wanna live in a country where we are limited, where we, define the American dream by something so puny, something so little, something so temporary, something so temporal, something so unlasting, something so, and and, and not that owning a house is is not good either, but that's not it. It's just, we're missing the mark. And then, and the problem is if you, let's say we make that the mark, owning a house, and they'll say we hit the mark. I don't think we'll be happy. <laughs> like I don't think I don't think that's it. It's not like oh yeah everything's solved. We everyone's living the American dream. Everyone is at home. Is that going to fix everything? No. We need we need to do better. Yesterday, we talked to that congressman who did not vote to impeach Mayorkas. And it's just, oh, geez, you guys. And all the excuses are just incredibly frustrating. So this is actually a perfect follow-up to that because here is an example of Republicans doing something <laughs> and, and fighting fire with fire. Here's the story. Good morning. This is a perfect follow-up to what happened yesterday with that congressman that was so bizarre. 
Uh, but we need more of, of what's happening here. Mark Paoletta is here, senior fellow at the Center for Renewing America, also uh, author of Created Equal, Clarence Thomas in his own words. Mr. Paoletta, how are you, sir? Mike, thanks for having me on. Good morning. No, I'm really glad you're here. I, I, I wanted more of your, uh, your bio here. It says on your Twitter, Chief Oversight Counsel for Congress, uh, White House lawyer to Bush 41, Trump's Office of Management and Budget General Counsel. Uh, anything else I'm missing here that's that's relevant to this? <laughs> no. Uh, uh, was up in Congress for 10 years doing lots of investigations uh, and uh, served, uh, had four wonderful years in the, in the Trump White House, uh, working for President Trump and uh, working with Russ Boat uh, as the director of OMB. And uh, um, did a lot of great things and had a good time doing it with good people there. Nice. Well, the, the fight goes on. So I remember a couple of weeks or months ago, we were talking about the story of the left going after Clarence Thomas because uh, Jerry Jones, the owner of the Cowboys, gave him an $80,000 Super Bowl ring, Mark. Can you believe how unethical this is? And it turned out to be a, uh, like a fake plastic ring that's like 50 bucks. But it was weird. Why is the left going after our Supreme Court justices like this. Great, great, great story. Uh, and in fact, as you know, as you may know, there was a follow-up story to that smear. I think it was in the New York Times uh, that yes, this was a replica ring, and there were, it was just you know sort of fortuitous that the Supreme Court had actually taken a photo uh, of Justice Thomas's office. They do that from time to time, and they had in their archives a photo of that ring back in 1993 or something like that sitting on Justice Thomas's desk, right. uh, which, which I think uh, we, was released out to, the, to, to, to Fox News, who I think did the follow-up story. But, um, but why are they going after the Supreme Court? The left, the Supreme Court is the last institution in America uh, that is protecting our Constitution, and the left hates it. You know, for, for 50 years, the left controlled the Supreme Court, whether they were Republican or Democrat presidents. You know, you had Harry Blackman, who wrote, uh, the Roe decision. You had John Paul Stevens. You had David Souter. You had um, um, Justice Brennan. All of these left-wing justices were appointed by Republicans. So what happens? Justice Thomas gets appointed, thank God, in 1991, and I, and I worked on his confirmation. But then, once President Trump comes along, he 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 he, he appoints three justices, and it changes the world. Mike changes the world. Now the Supreme Court is issuing these much more originalist opinions following in Thomas's um, sort of wake. He's, he's, he's written over 700 opinions uh, that have created a roadmap. And so in, instead of they've lost the battle of ideas, of jurisprudence, right, it's a, it's a much more originalist court. The left now wants to burn the Supreme Court down, incite violence against the justices, right? You saw the Biden administration encouraging uh, people to go uh, harass justices in contravention of federal law at their homes. It ended up with a, an assassination yes. attempt on, on Justice Kavanaugh. So it's really, you know, and, and what you're seeing now is this manufacturing of ethics charges, things that are completely fine, like the ring, as you pointed out, but like so many other things that they're just inventing new standards, gaslighting the American people to say there's something wrong with the Supreme Court. We need to change it. We need to pack the court. We need to, you know, prosecute these justices, whatever it is. And it's despicable. It's dangerous. And what we're seeing now this morning is the Democrats on the Senate Judiciary Committee, right, going after trying to issue uh, subpoenas, two subpoenas 
to friends of the justices, literally for being friends of the justices that, you know, um, go, go, you know, going on vacations with them and looking for information like who else was on this on this vacation with you? Who else was sitting on the back deck eating hamburgers with you? We want names and you know phone numbers of people that you were with. It's really uh, stunning. Yeah. Okay. So this is, this is really important. I want to make sure everyone follows. This, this is this is a big sure. thing that's happening right now. So as you said, they 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 hate the court. So they want to pack it, right? Let's add people to it. But that's a bit of an uphill climb and difficult. But the left and the media is very good at smearing people and canceling people and destroying people. So that's their way of now eroding the court, right? So let's go after the ring. Let's go after um, uh, Alito because he went on a fishing vacation and uh, like that's unethical or whatever. So next step of that is to go after the friends. So can you give us some examples of how the Democrats, the people in charge in, in the Judiciary Committee, et cetera, are going after the friends of these justices and why go after the friends? Yeah. And one thing, the immediate term, too, is they want to pack the court. They want to destroy the court. But they, but in the immediate term, they're trying to actually force justices to recuse from certain cases. Right. Ah. So there's some big cases coming up. So if they can say, oh, you, you, you've done something wrong here, you have a conflict, you have to step away from that case, right? So you take down one justice. You, that person has to, to kind of recuse from the case. So instead of having a 6-3 lineup or whatever it is, you get down to 5-4 or something like that. So yes. that's the immediate thing. But with respect to the friends, it's, you know, one of the, one of the subpoenas they're seeking is, is on Harlan Crow. Harlan Crow has been, you know, one of Justice Thomas's closest, dearest friends for 25 years. Right? They, they go on vacation together. Uh, Harlan Crow has a home up in the Adirondacks called Cockridge. Um, I've been there. Um, you know, um, lots of people have been there, lots of his friends. And he, they go up and visit, right? They hang around for a week uh, or less than a week. And that's what they want to investigate. How many times have you been there? Um, they've gone on some trips together, right? And they want to know, where did you go? How long did you go? Who else was on this trip? Uh, same thing with uh, they're going after Leonard Leo. Uh, he went on a trip with Justice Alito uh, up to Alaska. Okay, you know, where did you stay? How many people were there? Who else was on this trip? What did you talk about? And the other part that I think is really, I, I think it's racist, really, in terms of going after these, you know, there's this idea that there are people at these, um, you know, on these trips where they're kind of buying seats or something that, to talk to Justice Thomas or talk, you know, uh, and, and, and uh, like with business interests before the court. So it's just the craziest thing that they're going after. There's other people that they've gone after, uh, um, you know, who are friends of, of the justices, but the two of Justice Thomas and of Justice Alito in particular, um, and it's really focused on Justice Thomas, uh, but they've, you know, what the Democrats have focused on are, is going to come up today, which are Harlan Crow and Leonard Leo uh, are the two people that the Democrats are want to issue subpoenas to, uh, to, to, to kind of, again, go after their friends. They can't go after the justices directly. You know, the only way you can do that is really through impeachment, and that'll never happen. Um, so it's, let's go after their friends. Let's terrorize their friends. And so it's a terrible precedent, Mike, mm. of doing this, and I think it will unleash a whole new round of, 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 of new things. But that's what the Democrats do. They break these norms, just like when they... They broke the, you know, they tried to filibuster Neil Gorsuch, which was crazy. And they, you know, they, they, they that was something you didn't do, the custom. Uh, and the Democrats tried to do that and, um, you know, broke that, that custom. Yeah. And, that, you know, now that's no longer there uh, for, for Supreme Court nominees. Yes. So I think that's what's going to happen here. There's going to be a blowback 
uh, with the Republicans today. The Republicans for this meeting today have about 150, there may be more, <laughs> they're working hard, of subpoenas that they are offering to subpoena the friends of, you know, liberal justices or donors to, you know, um, to, to the Democrats, all sorts of, uh, you know, people that they want to sort of, you know, if you're going to do it to one side, let's fight yeah. fire with fire exactly. and do it to the so other that, side. So that, that's the good news of the story. And I want to get to that in just one second. But let me play devil's advocate with you real quick, Mark. Um, don't sure. we need to know the potential conflict of interests that our Supreme Court justices of all people might have, right? Here we have these rich people, Mark, these rich, influential people are clearly they're buying favor with these justices in order to influence their opinions. And we should know, we, the American people, should know about that, Mark. Uh, I, I, I reject that completely. These are friends of the justice. Justice Thomas has friends from all stations in life. And so, um, in fact, so, so it, it, this is a friend. Harlan Crow doesn't have any business before the Supreme Court. He, he, Harlan Crow is, is much yeah, more. Who's, who is Harlan, who is Harlan, who's Harlan Crow? Who is this guy? Harlan Crow is a, a developer. I'm friends with Harlan Crow. Uh, he's a developer, um, real estate developer in uh, in, in Dallas, Texas. Uh, a, a great patriot uh, has one of the world's greatest libraries um, of, of documents and, and you know original documents from from way back when um, presidential records and things like that. Presidential documents, I should say. Um, and um, uh, and he's, he he met Justice Thomas many years ago, and they've been friends. And so they hang out together. Uh, and the idea that you can't have friends uh, at any station <laughs> of life and somehow that's, that, you know, that, that's going to subject you to some sort of Senate inquiry into your private life. I mean, all the justices, in my view, the justices are ethical people. And when they have like they can't point to a, a case or anything where, where a justice has done something based on some sort of friendship. Right. The, Justice Thomas is the most principled justice in our lifetime, in my view. Uh, and, 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 and I think he's our greatest Supreme Court justice. Um, the idea that, you know, he's going to go on a, a trip with his friend um, and then he has to account for that. That's in my view, that's crazy. So and it, actually, I think it's not. And, and here's the other thing, Mike, the the Congress cannot. And this is in, in, in furtherance of trying to pass a code of ethics. That would apply to the Supreme Court and have an outside body in terms of the attack on the Supreme Court, having an outside body body be the judge of whether somebody, a justice needs to recuse or whether, a, a, you know, um, um, in terms of ethics complaints against the justices. And you just cannot have something that sits on top of the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court established in the Constitution. So. So all of these investigations, in my view, are invalid in terms of if, if, the, if, the, if the goal is to pass legislation to um, oversee the Supreme Court, that's just fatally defective. And so these, 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 this entire inquiry is, is uh, invalid. Uh, but to me, it just goes to trying to terrorize private citizens. Right. There's no evidence. Right. They're literally sitting going on vacation. So, again. Um, there's no, there's no wow. evidence that anything's been done wrong, and yet they're getting subpoena requests for, you know, uh, you know, how many hot dogs did you have on your back? Yeah, that's yet? amazing. So it's a general subpoena request to then go search and try to find a crime or find some sort of ethics right. violation and, or something that may be bad right. or wrong. Wow, that's amazing. That's a, that's exactly right. Going back 25 years, they want, you know, uh, how many times did Justice you know, Thomas stay at your home? You know, the crows stay at the Thomas's home. I mean, 
you, you are yeah. you're going into trying to you know invade and you know when you when you have authoritarian impulses you want to divide friendships right you want to try and isolate mm-hmm. people so yes. they're going after their friends that's what's in my view what's going on here yeah. um and, and so to silence one good turn deserves another and that's why i hope the republicans offer up all these uh, 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 subpoenas today to go after what i'll call the left and uh you know justice um uh, Breyer was flown around the world 17 times by the Pritzker family, you know, the Democrat, you know, um, you know, um, empire in Illinois. Um, J.B. Pritzker is the governor of Illinois. Uh, that uh, family and their foundations flew around Stephen Breyer 17 times, um, you know, to all sorts of uh, places around the world. Um, nobody seemed to have a problem with that. Nobody said the Supreme Court is corrupt. Um, you, you know, J- J- Justice Ginsburg. Uh, you know, flew to the Middle East. Uh, and these aren't even with their friends, really. These are, you know, they, they were just, you know, you know, with Justice Thomas, he's going up to the Adirondacks to, you know, sit around on a back deck uh, and, uh, and, and hang out with his friends. And he wants to know, oh, how many times have you done that? Who else is there? I just think that that's, if, if we... <laughs> and so I, yeah, I, no, I no, that's it. So, no, no, I'm, I'm grateful. And this is the moral of the story, because we had a congressman on yesterday who uh, voted not to impeach uh, Mayork- or, yeah, Mayorkas. And it was very like, oh, well, you know, if we do that, then they'll do this. And we don't want to upset that there's a process and da, 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 da. And our listeners were just like very frustrated by the whole thing. So if nothing else, this is a great example of Republicans growing a bit of a backbone here and saying, OK, you want to play this game? Then we can play this game, too. So today I just want to get this the, today now. Today, the Democrats are going to vote on whether or not to to what open up the uh, these investigations. And if they do, the Republicans say, OK, well, then we have 150 subpoenas ready to go on our own against you guys. Is that the story? Yeah. So, well, so they've been investigating. I think they sent their letters, Mike, uh, the first set of letters back in April of May of this year to Harlan Crow. And then there were some more that came along, probably seven letters in all. But it's come down to Harlan uh, Crow and Leonard Leo. And again, just I'm, I'm friends with both of them. Um, and um, and so the, the Democrats want to, to vote on authorizations to issue subpoenas today. So they sent letters. They didn't get in, any information back because the, 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 the uh, Harlan Crow actually offered five years of information, um, even though he objected to the legality of it. But the bottom line is they want to seek subpoenas today. And so the Republicans are going to bring up subpoenas for like what? You, you see Justice Sotomayor, right? She was using her staff to hawk her books when she went on a book tour, right? Using the Supreme Court staff. Okay, let's get a subpoena on her yep. staff to see, you know, yes, what, what, what those communications were, right? Um, you know, I, I think the Republicans should look also at David Rubenstein, right? He, he flew around. Um, he, he let Justice Breyer use his plane to go up to Nantucket. But he, he's had Joe Biden at his home. And this isn't a case, right? The difference is with Biden and some of these others. Clarence Thomas is truly friends with Harlan Crow. He's going to visit, you know, visit him at his house. Harlan Crow has stayed at Clarence Thomas's home. Right? This is Joe Biden saying, "Hey, David Rubenstein, I want to use your house up in Nantucket, your thirty-eight million dollar mansion, and I'm not going to disclose it. I'm not going to pay for it, and nobody cares about that." Biden goes all over this world, all over this country on vacations, and he's celebrated. He goes down to Kiowa Island at the twenty million dollar mansion down there. Jill Biden, his wife, asked the owners, who they're not even friends with, "Hey, can we use your house?" For a vacation. So the entire Biden clan goes down there, right? For six days, I think they stay longer, right? Six or seven times they go down there. They use this one. There's another one down in St. Croix. They've used seven times, right? It's, it's listed as a VRB, uh, VRBO, I think they're called, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, and nobody cares about that. 
Now it's time, hey, you want to go down this road? Let's get all the records. Let's get all the costs. Let's get all the pricing. Let's get all that stuff so we can have a little bit of balance if we're going to go down this road of going after France. Okay, very good. And there's already signs of the Democrats, some of the Democratic senators saying, um, maybe we shouldn't go down this road because of the Republicans when yeah. they got ready. There's a, li- there's a little bit of that. I'm, I'm, I'm hearing that they're, they're going to really try and push it, um, uh, you know, th- this morning. So we'll see. Um, I'm hoping the Republicans are going to come in ferociously um, and, and, uh, and, and push back hard and maybe have Durbin, who's the chairman of it. I think a lot of this is being driven by Sheldon Whitehouse, who hates the Supreme Court and hates the Supreme Court, hates Justice Thomas. Um, but for, for your listeners, Mike, um, my handle is uh, at Mark Paylot. I post a lot of stuff on this, and I have a website, markpaylot.com, where I post a lot of my op-eds uh, talking about all of these issues, defending the court, Beautiful. defending Justice Thomas. Ah, great for you there. Super. Mark Paoletta, a uh, senior fellow also at the Center for Renewing, Amer- uh, Renewing America. Mark Paoletta, P-A-O-L-E-T-T-A. Mark, appreciate you, sir. Thanks. Thanks, yeah, man, thanks so much. Mike. Well done. Thanks for being in the fight. Uh, and then, of course, Clint Ken Krukowski, the Breitbart senior legal analyst, has been writing all about this on Breitbart.com. No one covering this. No one at all covering this other than Mark and, uh, and Ken, which is awesome. So, obviously, Breitbart.com, the place to be. I'm American made. Thanks so much for listening to Breitbart News Daily. Of course, the follow-up to the big Newsom-DeSantis debate. I hope DeSantis still has a political career after tonight. Well, we'll see. Mike Slater, Breitbart News Daily. Spread the word. Oh,